You may now start the tape. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 311, January 28th, 2020. 47 degrees was the high on this day in 1892, and it was 29 below in 1873. And again, I provide these records for my own amusement. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense. Your mayor, Joe Souchere. 75 years ago, the concentration camps were liberated. I and saw something so disturbing this morning. Um, uh, TMC was running a movie shot in the 40, uh, 50s, five years after the end of World War II. They were in uh, Treblinka or one of those things. And I'm having a hard time even thinking about it now. They were stacking bodies up on pallets like cordwood, crisscrossed, so they could stack them higher without them falling off. My God. I've been to Dachau in Munich. How do you do it? And I've been to Sachsenhausen in Berlin. And Sachsenhausen was far more eerie and contemplative than Dachau. How do you not Mm. just collapse in tears and and not be able to function? You get very meditative. Wow. Uh, to see how they lived, and you can't even call it living. <clears throat> but uh, I found Sachsenhausen to be far more foreboding than uh, even Munich. They were all foreboding, but uh, Berl- it, Why? It, well, it had the uh, it had the it had the uh, rubric of being Berlin, which was the Nazi headquarters, and and uh, yeah. you know Munich was in a, a, a long way away. But Sachsenhausen was, uh, uh, and it was barren. It was out. There was nothing around it. Yeah, it still is undeveloped uh, out it's there. So unbelievable that the Germans let let them get away with that. My two sisters, Teresa Marie, just came back from Poland. They went to Krakow and they did a full day visit, and it was so unbelievable. It's got to be a life changer. It's and they be. said, she said, you go to lunch, and everybody's just if you can eat, you're just you're you're sitting there silent and. Everybody should go. I, I, I'm very jealous because I would want to go see. Really? It's the two most moving places I've ever been. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd, I'd I mean, be you're, able to you're do not, it. You're not going for the scenery. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. it's uh, barren. Uh, What's it? Maria said at one of the, uh, at the, at lunch, they serve pie. She's like, who the hell would serve pie at this place? You know, it's a uh, commissary, but. It was just somber and. Uh, what, what, which city was it where the Allies made the townspeople come out and tour the camp right after they liberated it, so they could, so they could see what was going on in their backyard? I don't know. It was one of those camps where the Allied soldiers were just so upset that they went into town and drug everybody out there and made them walk through, Dachau or something like that. Do you recall yesterday we uh, noted that Nakima Levy Dash Pounds or Armstrong or whatever her current name is. Uh, begrudgingly had to acknowledge that there is some study out there that shows uh, the learning gap achievement between uh, white kids and kids of color is uh, is is less in conservative cities than progressive cities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that resulted in a, a host of letters today in the Star Tribune. Some applauding the uh, realization that this is true, and others finding it to be just merely you can make activism what you want it to be. And then I also noted the St. Paul, or, I'm sorry, the Minneapolis public schools. Uh, had a big meeting last night. 
addressing this achievement gap. And I think what they intend to do is just uh, move kids around to different schools. As far as I can tell, it's a very confusing plan, uh, but that's what I took away from it. They say students of color just aren't getting the kind of education they hope to give every kid. Well, why? You're the liberals in charge of it. What are you failing at? You know what? They're being too hard on themselves because they're unwilling to acknowledge the root cause of this. Is them. Which has (laughs) has nothing to do with the math teacher. The math teacher's perfectly willing to teach as much math to a black kid as a white kid. You're saying systematic. But they go home and they're not getting any support. Right. That's 100% accurate. The district says about 10,000 families leave the Minneapolis Public School District every year and go to charter schools or schools with open enrollment. About 80% of those families are families of color, so there are families attempting to better this. Uh, The district laid out five possible plans on how they hope to improve equity. That includes... Changing which kids go to what schools. They're just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kids go to what schools, giving families better access to magnet or specialty schools, and changing academic programming so students have better access to programs like languages. This is tantamount to tell me that you're a miserable failure and that you have been for years. The district said it is trying to find a balance when it comes to allowing kids to go to schools close to home while also diversifying schools, which they say is better for all students. Oh, the hell it is. It makes No, it isn't. There's nothing empirical about that. Personally, I don't care if the school's half black and half white, but don't tell me that makes it a better school. Right. There's nothing that follows that would suggest that. There are several more meetings scheduled across the city in the coming weeks. The district is scheduled to vote uh, in April, and this wouldn't go into effect until 2021-2022 school district. And you can go to a comprehensive district design plan and, and check it out if you're an engaged if you're an engaged parent. And this leads me to a note from Tim. Uh, hail the flashlight, King. Hail you. Joe, I drive a school bus in a very conservative town on the Mississippi coast. Yes, Mississippi has a coast, the secret coast according to the new ad campaign. My bus, is, my bus is mostly kids of color, and they're poor. I don't know how their parents vote, but I know if they misbehave on my bus, one call to their home takes care of most of it. I bet that doesn't work in my hometown of St. Paul with 13-year-olds committing armed robbery. Good luck up there in progressive pothole-filled hell. <laughs> I'm trying to get my adult children to move south. Still listening. Tim, uh, by the way, have you watched the Netflix doc on the VW scandal? I have not. I have not. Yeah, thanks for that one. Uh, Dachau was your uh, concentration camp. It was yeah. Dachau, yeah. okay. And, and speaking of that, I was looking for this article that I read this morning. Uh, it's from Newsweek. Mm-hmm. Prepared to be troubled? Mm-hmm. More than half of American adults aren't aware that six million Jews died in the Holocaust. Well, how could that be? Half. How could that be? Okay, yeah. It gets wow. even worse. Uh, Pew Research Center released the findings uh, last Wednesday, a little less than a week ahead of the 75th anniversary. Uh, The survey asked nearly 13,000 American respondents to answer simple, multiple-choice questions about the Holocaust, finding that only 45% correctly said that 6 million Jews were killed during the World War II genocide. Hmm. They all get the foghorn. Who does? Those people? All those dummies that have no clue in our... 45%. And that's a direct result of the failed academy, is it not? I mean, Uh, don't you... You learn about this in school. I used to. I did. You used to. (laughs) Then you learn about it if you travel to Germany. 
Well, and I, I know I saw a story, I don't remember which local outlet did it, about uh, a, high, a group of high school kids that were, you know, basically were brought there and, and were told about this. So schools have to be teaching this. How, how is it possible that that many people don't know? <clears throat> Police are investigating a series of robberies Sunday in St. Paul in which young assailants took people by surprise by confronting them at gunpoint. The five cases happened in the Greater East Side, North End, Frogtown, and Summit University during a span of less than three hours. In one case, a male pushed down a 70-year-old woman and grabbed her purse. These are children, by the way. Mm-hmm. There are definite similarities, and we're going. Uh, we're looking into a connection between all of them, said Sergeant Mike Ernster of the St. Paul Police. You could read this same story in every uh, city in the country today closest to the tallest buildings. Well, the first thing I thought when I read this is a 70-year-old lady, what is she going to have in her purse, $43? She's not going to have a roll of money. I'll tell you what she's going to have. Some cruddy old cell phone. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Because <laughs> <laughs> they take that everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> They also match a pattern of street robberies the St. Paul police warned the public about in December, and police are investigating whether the same suspects are involved. The first robbery Sunday happened about 6.30 p.m. when a 33-year-old was going into an apartment building in the 1100 block of Barclay Street near Maryland. I know just where that is. He noticed two young males hanging out by the front door. As he headed in, one put a gun to his back and said, give me everything you have. Jesus. So was they he, escaped was a with permit cash. to carry? They, uh, they escaped with cash and his keys and tried to take his vehicle, but the man stopped them and ran off. We don't know how he stopped them. About 7 o'clock the same night, a 38-year-old, 38-year-old woman parked her vehicle in the 1500 block of Timberlake Road off Wheelock Parkway in Jackson. I know just where that is. And began walking to a residence. Three males approached from behind, grabbed her, and pointed a gun at her. They pulled a purse from her shoulder and ran. Next, officers responded at 7.10 p.m. to Sherburn Avenue between Arundel Street and Western Avenue. I know just where that is. After a woman and her mother parked and saw a vehicle driving by with no headlights. They were walking toward an address when three males came out of nowhere, pointed a handgun toward the 23-year-old's face, and demanded her bag and pins for her cards. Ernster said they fled with the purse. Police were called to the robbery of a 70-year-old woman at 7.18 p.m. She and her 69-year-old sister were crossing McCubbin Street at Holly. I know just where that is. When they saw a vehicle stop, two males jumped out, came up behind them. The 70-year-old was robbed of her purse. She had a sore knee from being pushed down. Uh, Her sister reported she thought the other male was going to rob her, but he slipped on the ice. The robbers left in the SUV they arrived in. An attempted purse snatching also was reported nearby around the same time at Selby and Western. (coughs) Excuse me. Then about 9.10 p.m., a man and his wife arrived home in the 1300 block of Western near Cottage Avenue and walked to the apartment building's entry. The man heard his wife scream, turned around, and saw a male pointing a gun at him. Another male was with the robber, and they ran away with the 26-year-old woman's purse. No arrests have been made, and police are investigating. In each of the cases, two to three males were seen. Police reports did not contain detailed descriptions of the robbers who were wearing sweatshirts or jackets, often with the hoods up. So victims weren't able to get a good look at their faces, Ernster said. Police, I'm sorry, people estimated the robbers were 16 or younger. And in one case, the males appeared to be around 13 and 14. 13 and 14. One robber was described as being in his older teens or early 20s. In some of the cases, they were seen in a dark-colored station wagon or SUV, possibly a Toyota RAV4 or similar. 
We don't get a description then, do we? Would a description be helpful? Would it be? You would think. Yes. Would it be helpful to know the uh, racial makeup of the of these people? I want to know if he has a pimple. I want to know if he's got a thick eyebrows. I want to know what race he is. I want to know everything. Well, clearly, what we need to do here is get these kids in front of a judge so that we can set no bail and just let them get back out in the street. Melvin's got quite a problem on his hands here. Yes, he does. Uh, and it is his problem. He's the mayor, and he keeps solving it by expanding his cabinet. Which doesn't do anything on the street. Uh, with made-up job titles and extraordinary salaries and benefits, and nothing nothing is being done to, to crack down on what maybe some conservatism would help. What some, about a, like a town hall meeting? Some expectations in school might help. Yep. Some discipline might help. Uh, we seem to have abandoned that. Abandoned that. Uh, I just think that, uh, and, and what strikes me is that these uh, these truants are getting younger and younger. Yep. Thirteen and fourteen year old kids with guns pointing a gun at you. There, you know what's amazing about that story? Nobody died. Yeah. Nobody even, died. Even accidentally. Yeah. Well, the one gal. When was it? Sunday. That she was, was shot, shot in the, the stomach. Uh, yeah, she's lucky she didn't die. Yeah, but this is this. I is... sure hope Melvin doesn't say what a what a wonderful job we've done leaving ice on the streets so they trip criminals so they don't rob people. <laughs> oh, well, there God. is that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> You're just as likely to fall down in the act of committing a crime than you are in being successful. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's just. Uh, I guess I was linking that to the. Uh, to the people in the salon who think they have the answers to the school problems. But having a breakfast with Jacob Fry and having people, let's talk about what we're, that doesn't, it looks good on TV. So if you're half-witted and you see that the mayor is doing something, you're tricked into thinking that he's doing something. Why aren't the, why is the left capable of, what's the word I want? Uh, not inspection. What's the word I want? When you look at yourself, uh, introspection. Why isn't the capable? Why is the left capable of introspection, and say, you know, we've been in charge here for a long time, and these achievement caps keep, uh, gaps keep growing, mm-hmm. and we're running into more and more discipline problems, and we've spent a lot of money, and we show no indications that we're willing to not spend a lot of money, and yet we, we're failing. You know the answer to that. Yeah, they're incompetent fools that well, just want to continue to expand government. Well, that and they're in power. Yeah, they want to keep their phony baloney jobs. They to want to keep Mel their Brooks. they want to keep their administrative state. They're they're almost living on the independent rail of American life. Mm-hmm. But then why doesn't a brand new uh, Democrat lefty euphorian? Because they always bring in euphorian supers. But where's the where's that blue collar East Side person that might be left and voted union his whole life to call them out and say, right there. "I'm a lefty too." Right this there. ends now. This is BS. Where are, where are they? Yep. Well, yep. well, yep. and I'm going to keep reminding black parents, uh, <laughs> specifically you, black parents, you, you've got to step up and you got to say, "You people quit doing us a favor." I want my kid to be handled like any other kid. And don't be condescending to me and don't be disingenuous. Don't be telling me my kid is less than. Mm -hmm. I have the same expectations for my child that any parent has for their child and quit pretending that I don't. Well, and we all had that as kids. Kermit Fletcher was just as likely to kick my ass as he was his kids, uh, Randy's, you know, that's how it worked. 
and, yeah. and you go home with a, a bruised ass because somebody's dad kicked it, and you, and then your dad kicks your ass too. Right? Why? Why? What did you do while well, we were lighting paint? On well, fire you dumbass, and boom, you get a yeah. you get a foot yeah. to the ass. Go to your room. But no. here's what I don't understand. Yesterday, I drove through downtown Minneapolis, and they're building just for fun. Just for yeah. fun. <laughs> nice. There were about five more construction sites of what I assume will be high-rise luxury condos and apartments. The Gulag. Who are all these people that are choosing to live in this nonsense? I don't know. People not paying attention. Is that what it is? Because it, 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 it you, be. you couldn't pay me to live in Minneapolis or St. Paul well, right you now. you got 45% of adults don't know anything about the Holocaust. Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. Huh? They wouldn't know a damn thing about downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul. Okay, give me a year when it was... Um, okay, hip to live at River Place, or what are some of the other high rises? In the eighties and into the late nineties, uh, even in the early two thousands, isn't it? I, I'm weary of finding myself in the role of the old man shouting, "Get off my grass!" and pointing out eras of American life that were far superior to this. Because that's not solving the problem either to say, you know, 50 years ago this didn't happen. No, but I'm but saying it didn't what happen. What, what happened? Right. You know, when yeah. when they lived in the the um, uh, brick condos downtown, and, and it was all hip for everybody to do that. What happened in between there? Was it just uh, cops hands off? You can't. It, it I'm was not that? following your question. You have was, to think. You have to think your question okay. through because I'm not following. There it. was there was something or there, something evolved in Minneapolis where there wasn't this crime on the, the streets. There wasn't this fear. What has changed? From late 1990s Is that to 2000. true, though, Matt? Because remember Block E when Block E was still Block E and you had Moby's and you had uh, bookstores on each end and you had strip clubs and you had knifings every night? I don't the know. The mannequin? I, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, whenever you were downtown, you were always aware. I think Joe might be right, Matt. I think this is just a, a, a sign of aging. We're, we're old and we think when we were young that things were a lot better and they maybe they weren't. No, they were. There were as many guns, for example, per capita in the United States 50, 60 years ago as there are today, but nobody was shooting I people. Think, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing an increased uh, amount of crime, especially as it relates to downtown Minneapolis, is I think the rampant drug use is way more out of hand than it has ever been before. What do you mean, meth or weed or? All, all the above. If, if I had to point to one reason, why there was this Sunday crime spree, five robberies within an hour. If I had to point to one reason, and let's let's for the sake of the reporting accept the fact that they were they were all teenagers. Mm-hmm. They they have never the the concept of respecting authority has escaped them. Yes, that that's that would be the one reason I would go with. And the lack of respect for life, mm-hmm. because we are living in the midst of a uh, ethical and moral decline. Yeah, the difference between good and bad or good and evil. Right. I think those kids, yeah. they have well, no re- concept at all. Right? Remember- I read a story today that I didn't want to bring in because it's too vile, but I'll mention it. It was a play story in the New York Daily News. A nine-year-old uh, stabbed his five-year-old sister to death because he wanted to feel see what it was like. What? His mother went out to get the mail, and she walked back into the apartment, and the nine-year-old stabbed the, oh stab the five-year-old sister who died in the hospital. It's it's rampant. It's everywhere. There's evil in the world, and uh, the left uh, manages to write it off as something other than evil. We should be talking to Axtell. We we should give him a call just just so we can throw He's a, a bunch of I'll be glad to. I know him. I know him. him. I see him on the street, and he says hi. We talk. Well, let's give him a call right now. Chris. But remember what Reverend Tim said too. 
He said the, the those 13-year-olds and 16-year-olds do not have the mentor that they would listen to. You know, if there's a if there's a, a black grandpa telling those kids, "Come on, kids," they'll listen to that black grandfather. They'll listen to that 25-year-old um, African American male as a role model. But he said we don't have those. That's that's well, what they're missing. Well, the kid that uh, the guy that got beat up after getting off the bus, Chicago and Lake, yes. that guy, that kid had a mentor. And a pretty darn good one, yeah. a pastor, well, a local pastor, and uh, the pastor basically raised him. Said, uh, you're going to strike three pretty quick here. And the streets got a hold of the kid anyway, and he opted for, you know, a life of crime. Well, on a far more joyful note. Bring us up, please, Joe, right now. You know, the countdown has begun to the Super Bowl. Yeah. America's big party. Oh, yeah. You're going to be grilling. Oh, i got to plan my party. Get to Grunhofer's in Hugo. It's at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. You know you'll be grilling. In fact, the temperatures this weekend could be in the 40s. Rookie burger sliders. Mm -hmm. Buy some rookie burger and make little sliders. Or 14 kinds of summer sausage, fresh pork Mm. belly and side pork, pre-made, oven-ready meatloaf. Damn. And, you you know, Fido's going to be hanging around. Yeah. Well, they got stuff for Fido. Raw and smoked dog bones and pig's ears for the dogs. And if you're making soup. Uh, Grunhoffers has oxtails, beef shanks, pork hocks, fresh and smoked. No, this is for you. (laughs) Pork neck bones and also a new brat, beer cheese brat, Mm. pork beer cheese, cheese curds, bacon, green onion, cheddar cheese, everything you're going to need. Smoked ham, bacon, salmon, beef jerky. That'll just hold you over till you get home. Just buy that brisket (laughs) and throw it in the crock pot Mm -hmm. for about 15 hours. Mm -hmm. Really hungry. Well, that's your Super Bowl weekend's coming up. Where is he? Grunhofer's? Yeah. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats is at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. Yeah. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Let's visit the failed academy. They have an introductory art history course at Yale that apparently is the envy. I've read a number of pieces about it. The students who qualify for this privilege, some of whom go on to run the nation's major art institutions, relish the densely packed, richly presented lessons about the brilliant brushstrokes of Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Rembrandt, and the like. But they're abandoning it because it's too white, too Western, and too male. We're going to okay. uh, we're going to focus on uh, how can it possibly art. be too white, too mm-hmm. too Western, and too male? Well, there's a nice piece here in the New York Post, an opinion piece written by Tiffany Jenkins, who writes: "Thus, a band of hyper-educated Visigoths will soon demolish Yale's storied course, Introduction to Art History, Renaissance to the Present. In its place, the neo-barbarians will teach many courses fit for those confident in the correctness of their political views, art, and politics." Questions of gender, class, and race, and the relationship of art to capitalism and climate change. Well, they're not going to get jobs in their desired fields no. then, the, the, because that course is a requisite. Students will learn little of enduring value. But here's the question that I have. The left is ruining everything it gets its hands on. And now you're going to dismiss Rembrandt and Michelangelo. Uh, <laughs> uh, da Vinci. I mean, you can't work in that field without knowing about them. 
I mean, that's standard everyday knowledge. I right. mean, that's not tying for a sailor. But, I, but, you just have to know it. But here, here's the question I have. Were there artists of color in da Vinci's age, the Renaissance, mm-hmm. who uh, were uh, demanding to be led into Florence, Italy... <laughs> To, to show their works, but were pushed back and trampled by people who said, no, I, we only want to see our local kid, Michelangelo. <laughs> that didn't happen. My guess is no. Wasn't so there, so I... what art has been thwarted by evil Western civilization? What art has been trampled? None. None. Trick question. And, None. And, and, and they're trying to uh, make something out of this that... They're trying to make you question yourself. We shouldn't have, uh, the art is too white. Enriched by the past, the Renaissance pushed the boundaries of what we know and what we could achieve. It changed the world. It gave birth to American art, which was dominated by Europeans who brought their cultures with them. It's also true that Leonardo da Vinci is guilty of being a dead white male, as are Michelangelo <laughs> and the whole pantheon of Renaissance artists. Okay, maybe we're seeing this, Such, as white guys and... So my solution to that was instead of canceling the course, why not go to Asia, include all the artists from that period, go to Africa, include everybody there, everybody in Egypt, uh, the Middle East, include everybody instead of just shutting it down altogether. Because Uh art from everywhere is art. Uh, I did see something like that from a different artistic site. A statement posted to the department's website offers a bit more insight into the overhaul. Two of the department's introductory survey courses, one dedicated the ancient Middle East, Egypt, and pre-Renaissance European art, and one dedicated to European and American art from the Renaissance to the present, will both be replaced with 100-level surveys of themes and movements such as global decorative arts, arts of the Silk Road, and the politics of representation. New introductory courses will be added the next few years, but they will not be billed as a comprehensive survey. The diversification of the department's curriculum follows a similar move by the university's English department, which changed the requirements for its major in 2017 after a petition calling for the decolonization of course offerings went public. So, uh... It, dead white males are under attack. It and, sounds like it's got to, with them, it's got to be one or the other. Yeah. It can't be all of the above. Yep. And that's always the problem. You can't do all of the above. It's got to be one or the other. But Mysterians must eliminate history if they're to bring about the mystery. And uh, we'll be discussing two politicians today who intend to bring you the mystery. Oh. Uh, both with uh, extremely interesting takes on Elizabeth Warren today and Bernie Sanders. Oh, that was a fascinating Isn't that something? piece. In the, Isn't that something? Uh, right in the smack dab in the middle of the Star Tribune. Mm-hmm. So uh, good luck to you, Yale's kids. Uh, Yale, where's that? That's New Haven, Connecticut. I've been I'm sure there. that's about 75, 80, 90 grand a year. And ironically, when I was there, New Haven was a ghetto and super scary. You went to Yale? Uh, no, I, w- I was. Yeah. band was on tour, and they played downtown just blocks from Yale. And we had to keep a person outside to watch the van. Seriously? That's how dangerous it a was. A kid I used to have took a summer of study <coughs> at Yale oh. and uh, reported that it was a little sketchy. Yeah. Really? Around and about the yeah. campus. Yeah. And, and we had just come from Manhattan, where none of us were scared of anything. And we went to Boston, where none of us were scared. But uh, New Haven, hoo, hoo, hoo. Yale, Joe? 
55, 9,400 for room 72 board, total 75, 925. 75, 925, and don't worry, you will not be triggered by having to see anything done by that evil Da Vinci, Rembrandt, (laughs) or uh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. I'll tell you another thing that they're missing, or either that or they know it. And one reason they might want to disabuse people of those artists, I got the great tour uh, in Florence. Okay. And the woman was really good and explaining the work of Michelangelo. And I finally, it occurred to me, I finally said, why doesn't this happen anymore? Why in Florence isn't there a new Michelangelo? Right. Or yeah. Da Vinci okay. yeah. or Rembrandt. Yeah, why is this? Who painted the Sistine? That's Rembrandt? No. No. Michelangelo. 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 Who did David, the statue of David? Is that Rem- Rembrandt? Whatever. I'm close right? enough. No. Yeah. Wait. I don't know. No, I don't know. David was. I uh, withdraw my answer. <laughs> <laughs> don't write me, David Downing. Yeah. <laughs> I said, what? where are they today? Where are the workshops? Michelangelo did the statue yeah. of David. Where are they today? And she said, well, the same, the the forces that drove them don't exist today. And I said, what did you mean? And she said, they did this in honor of God. And she said, uh, oh. you're, you're not finding that. That's, that was their payment. They did this to honor the above. They, they, they were looking for rewards that had nothing to do with Human intervention. Oh, I was under the impression that uh, he did the Sistine Chapel because the, the 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 Pope made him do it. Well, he probably got paid too. He probably got do paid. Think, he didn't want you to. You got to get paid if you can lay on your back for a year. You know. Do you think when David saw the statue and hey Mick, uh, really? Can you David, give me a little bit more here to work with. I no, am, they got plenty to work with. I am David, and it was very cold in the studio this day. It was very cold. I could not help it. I needed a show. No, Dave, David. David is. Uh, He's Mike, all, you David didn't do is me all any there. favors. David is all there. My point being, this woman <laughs> it broke it about down. The skin it came in. Yeah, <laughs> she broke it all down to uh, to point out that these these were young people guided by a higher light, and that today that kid, you know, you might have that creativity in Florence. There might be a sixteen right. year old in Florence, but maybe he's inventing an app, mm-hmm. or uh, maybe he's uh, uh, discovering something new about chemistry. But uh, the yeah. art was done for. Uh, uh, the Renaissance was done for a higher, for a higher calling. Can we get David a pair of shorts? Shut up with your David thing. <laughs> you go there and see it, and then you come back and tell but me there about had it. To be smart boy, more, yes. Joe. There had to be more than just that. Well, they were. What I've the pain in the ass about artists is they've got something in them that they have to get out, yeah. including Mr. Guitar Guy. Well, I mean, it's the case for musicians too. There's something in them. And it's got they got well, they, to get it were, out of they're them. They're getting it out. They're getting it out. Well, and there are certain I think in any art certain periods that are going to be a Renaissance period. Look at music, mm-hmm. like Kenny said. Mm-hmm. I look sixties and seventies. You'll never that'll never happen. What again. era would you never call happen. the banana on the wall with the duct tape that we saw a couple of weeks ago? I mean, really, <laughs> the that's the problem era. today. The bleep hole era. Yeah. The bleep hole. <laughs> Why don't we come back with John? It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. I know, I know, I want to hear the lyric here. That's 
sure there is St. Paul one. broke off and floated down the river, down the river. Now the folks in White Bear Lake, they start to shake in their boots. <laughs> <laughs> in their boots. All right, so speaking of St. Paul and... Uh, <clears throat> Treasure's been found. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's in Highland Park. Where'd you put it this year? A soul looking in Highland Park. It was Park. not in Mounds Park. We nope. knew that. It was yeah. not in Mounds Did Park. Did anybody walk up behind him with a gun and uh, say, Give me that treasure right <laughs> now, pal? No, and they found it at 1230 in the morning. And was it some sort of electronic thing? I don't flashing, know. I don't know. new wave, hippie it. deal? No, no, no. The buttons this year flashed. <laughs> All right, so. If you read the paper, there's been a lot of chatter in the local news here in the last couple of weeks about permitless or what we're calling constitutional carry. One of the things that personally worries me about constitutional carry is people foregoing the edu- educational classes and the counseling you get by taking the carry permit class from minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. For me, the safety training has been invaluable, and I'm thinking that it probably has for a lot of people. And you'll learn why when you go to minnesotagunclass.com slash GL and watch the videos that the owner, Gary, has made for us. So I, I've been a permit holder. Anybody know how long has it been since that law went into effect? That's when I got first got my permit, whenever the law was enacted. And watching these videos that Gary has put up on uh, minnesotagunclass.com, Real eye-opener, uh, and and it's very helpful. And when you go to the class, you're going to learn everything. And I don't care how experienced you are, from basics and fundamentals to a personal protection plan to what you do during, uh, well, what you do when you're in St. Paul and you have a violent encounter, and then the aftermath of that. You'll be getting the best education from the best instructors, uh, instructors available in nice, clean, comfy classes. We're not talking about somebody's shop. You're not coming over to Kenny's house. Now this involves more and more women, doesn't it? Yeah. Because one of these days, these punks are going to encounter the wrong person. Yes. And that's, you know what? You bring up a good point. Women and young people, uh, it includes everybody, especially if you're a woman. Get the permit to cl- uh, carry. Don't procrastinate any longer. I'm actually uh, enrolling myself to re-up my permit this year. Uh, they're GLers. They have a website and videos just for us GLers. That's why I say minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. You can remember that? minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. Here's the artist known as John Height. Oh, thanks, Kenny. 3M Company says it'll eliminate 1,500 jobs and has further restructured the company after fourth quarter profits plunged 27%. Midweek sales in Asia and Europe, fourth quarter net income fell to $970 million or a buck sixty-six a share. That's from $1.35 billion in the same period last year. Uh, the Maplewood-based industrial giant said in a release that after paring down the company's reporting sectors to four earlier this year, it's now bringing international business strategy and sales functions under individual business segments instead of international units. Hennepin County Medical Examiner releasing new information in the death of St. Paul rapper and R&B artist Alexi Aligier, who died New Year's Day. On Monday, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner reported the cause of death as mixed fentanyl and Oof. ethanol toxicity. Ethanol, in this case, meaning alcohol. In the aftermath of her death, artists from Wale to Kalani posted tributes. Kalani actually will be performing a benefit show on February 19th at First Avenue for Aligier. Tickets are now on sale. All proceeds will be going to her family and That's foundation. the same as Prince, isn't it? Fentanyl? Yeah. Yeah, and Petty. And, yeah. Yeah. Why is it called accidental? 
because she didn't think she was taking fentanyl. Oh. Uh, and that hasn't been the oh. case with Prince. It's been the case with Patty. It was the case here and somebody else. There's another artist, the same thing. Uh, uh, Lil Peep. Lil Peep. Oh, yeah. So Out of these cases, they're not even doing it to get high. They're just on the yeah. They're on the perks or whatever for another reason, and they have a few drinks. and Well, and they get the Percocet from places maybe they shouldn't, and it's been yep. cut with fentanyl, right. which is mm-hmm. highly dangerous, obviously. Mm-hmm. President Donald Trump's legal team raising a broad-based attack on the impeachment case against him, even as it mostly brushes past allegations in a new book that could undercut a key defense argument in the Senate trial. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton writing in a manuscript that the president wanted to withhold military aid from Ukraine until it committed to helping with investigations into Democratic rival Joe Biden. That assertion matters because Trump and his lawyers have repeatedly insisted he never tied the suspension of security aid to political investigations. The revelation clouded White House hopes for a swift end of the impeachment trial as Democrats are demanding witnesses and some Republicans expressing openness to the idea. The president is charged with abusing his presidential power by asking Ukraine's leader to help investigate Biden at the same time his administration was withholding hundreds of millions of dollars in security aid. A second charge accuses Trump of obstructing Congress in its probe. Meanwhile, former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly says he would believe that President Trump sought to make U.S. military aid to Ukraine conditional on those investigations if John Bolton said that. He said Bolton would not lie. He said if John Bolton says that in the book, I believe John Bolton. Every single time I was with him, he always gave the president the unvarnished truth. John's an honest guy, a man of integrity and great character, so we'll see what happens. On the subject of the ongoing impeachment, Kelly said he thinks additional witnesses should be called to testify in the Senate trial. State Department has removed an NPR reporter from the pool of journalists traveling to Europe and Asia with Mike Pompeo after the Secretary of State's public feud with the news organization. The State Department Correspondents Association says Michelle Kellerman, an NPR diplomatic correspondent, has been denied a seat aboard Pompeo's plane during his trip, which includes a visit to Ukraine. The Secretary of State's feud with NPR began last week when Kelly, a really respected radio host, said Pompeo unleashed a foul-mouthed tirade after she questioned him about Ukraine and specifically whether he should have defended Maria Yovanovitch, the former U.S. ambassador. And Kelly said that following her interview with the Secretary of State, she was taken to his private living room where he shouted at her for about the same amount of time as the interview itself, repeatedly swore at her and said, do you think Americans care about Ukraine? Pompeo subsequently released an extraordinary statement over the weekend claiming Kelly lied when setting up the interview. However, NPR has stood by the reporter and newly released emails obtained by the Washington Post have shown that Secretary of State Pompeo's claims were false, showing that Kelly clearly expressed prior to the interview that Ukraine would be discussed. When John reads stories like this, you guys, do you have the same cartoon bubble as I do? Is it's just a basically a playground or kids having a food fight? That's all this is. It's children just They're bick- in their own world. B- bickering with one another. They're in their own world. I completely zoned out and uh, didn't hear a word he said because I just discovered that I have more followers on Twitter than Sid Hartman. Really? Am I really? unblocked yet, by the way? Wow. Uh, are you still blocked? I'll, I think I'm still blocked. I will unblock Give you. me a chance, please. Thanks. Okay. As the, you I don't think Sid's an active tweeter. No. Uh, somebody tweeted January 26th. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. He probably has a Twitterer. Twitterer. Yeah. hundred bucks says yeah. he has no idea what Twitter is. No, he has is. no idea. None at all. As they usually do, the Grammy Awards did rule Sunday's ratings. However, they were down year over year. 
The 62nd Annual Awards Ceremony, airing on their earliest date since 2013, drew 18.7 million viewers, 5.4 rating among adults, easily number one in its time slot. But those numbers are down about 5% in viewers and 4% in the 18-49 to 49 demo from last year's cast. Last year's ceremony ended up with a 19.88 million viewers and a 5.6. The small downturn for the Grammys mirrors that of NBC's Golden Globes broadcast in January. It was down by about 2% in viewers and 10% in adults, 18 to 49. Well, you are blocked, Matt. Is my suspension over? Yeah, I just unblocked you. I, I was talking to something stupid again. Well, I was I talking to, to a gentleman that was at the Grammys. On Sunday. I was talking to him last night. He said the most impressive part about the whole production is the four-minute commercial break where people are just scurrying about oh, to get set up. Stage for, he said it's it's truly impressive to watch that part of it. <laughs> I bet. The music yeah. part didn't Well, and they have such more. limited room. It's, yeah. a, it's still just an arena. Right. Yeah. Meaningless event. That's my take. Yeah. Well, you could argue it's always been a meaningless yeah. event. To, yeah. you know, and, and fixed. To play devil's too. advocate. And fixed. Well, too. apparently, yeah, this woman uh, who was yeah, on the, the board CEO. or whatever yeah. says uh, it's all set up and... But it's the music industry. Don't you think it's always ripe with yeah. chicanery? Yes. So I, uh, Dawn McLean, the girl I work with up the hall, she has a great story about the Grammys years ago. She had a drama teacher. Her drama teacher's dad was a famous classical musician who had won a number of Grammys for his original compositions. You mm. with me so far? Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. He thought yeah. the Grammys were fixed, so he submitted a piece of music that did not exist. He just sent him in a title, and he won. No. Or no, no, no. He didn't win. He was, he was nominated. nominated. He was nominated. Still. Based on the title of a song? Yeah. And who it came from. Huh. Didn't even exist. Wow. Just threw in a title, got You're nominated. You're solidifying what we're saying yeah. there. And they, this was years ago. They say that happens with the Oscars, too, where the people don't watch any of the films. You know, they, the people who are voting. Right. They'll watch three of eight films, and then they'll vote. But in order to be on that board, don't you You have to be in the industry somehow. Yes. And they yep. say the complaint lies with the elderly people and the cynical people and, and the old people that just don't get around to watching them. They vote based on who they like. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. But you would say the Oscars are legitimate, Joe, would you not? Me? Yeah. No. Somebody being uh, portraying Sidney Poitier no. having a great performance. No. And no. Are there any contests in your world that are legitimate besides the classic Pro Bowl? the car car shows? Stanley and, Cup oh, playoffs. There you go. All right. Well, okay. what do you think about the All Star? I thought it was fun. Did you? Yeah, I like it. I thought it was dumb. Well, it's dumb, but it's fun. How about is it? Al we can't kill each other. Al McGinnis, fifty-six years old, one hundred and four <laughs> mile an hour slap shot. It was unbelievable. Wow. What wow. a total badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was the winner, 109? Something like that. Yeah. That kid that won the fastest skating thing. My God, how do you skate that fast? I would, I would break my wow. face. Wow. Speaking of that, when are you two going to race? I can't. Yeah, Still. No. Time has come and gone. Still. I, even my feet are so fat right now. There's no, I got no shot. A 26-pound cat has found a new home thanks to <laughs> Minneapolis police. According to a social media post from the city, officers came across Hatfield the Cat while executing a search warrant. City said the feline's owner could no longer take care of him and surrendered him to Minneapolis Animal Care and Control. After being taken into city custody, Hatfield was adopted quickly. <laughs> According to the city of Minneapolis, Hatfield loves lasagna and naps, hates Mondays, and is excessively sarcastic. Huh. Get it? He's Garfield. Uh, Garfield. Garfield. I got That's it. clever. There, there you go. We got it there. Camden, New Jersey firefighters forced to break two windows on a minivan because... 
It was parked in front of a fire hydrant, and the owner was nowhere in sight. This happened this past Saturday. Video released by the Camden Fire Officers Local shows a hose and shattered glass lying across the front seats of the vehicle. It was parked on the 400 block of Chambers Street. Everyone made it out of the home safely, according to the union. No firefighters were hurt either, although the house did sustain significant damage. Good. The, well, not the house. You no. Know, not the house. Good. Too. Smash the car and yeah. put the hose through there the window and put the fire out. A Florida man arrested for using a front-end loader to dump a bucket of dirt on his girlfriend's car has escaped with a judicial slap on the wrist. Hunter Mills was scheduled for a January trial for felony criminal mischief, recently struck a plea deal that resulted in a deferred prosecution agreement and his placement in a pretrial diversion program. If the 20-year-old Mills successfully finishes it up, which is afforded to some first-time offenders, the criminal charge will be dismissed. Most diversion programs last 12 months, he was arrested last year after he covered a 2010 Cadillac driven by his girlfriend in dirt. The woman had driven to meet Mills on a road adjacent to the headquarters of an excavation firm that sells topsoil and handscaping materials. The dumping site in Crestview, a town about 50 miles from Pensacola. According to the arrest warrant, when Mills' girlfriend refused to answer a question from him, he uh, dumped the dirt from a front loader. On the driver's side of the vehicle. Oh, she's probably in the other room with her new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> the window was down during the incident. That caused dirt to fill up the air vent, center council, and power windows of the car. That was about $8,200 worth of damage. When questioned by police, Mills admitted covering the car in dirt, but said that he did it in an attempt to get the woman to leave him alone. You want to hear a good story? Sure. Yes, please. Last night on Antiques Roadshow. Mm-hmm. There was a guy about 70, long hair, Vietnam vet, skinny as a rail, and he was uh, he he cleared the countryside of landmines and he was in ordnance. He purchased uh, what do you call the shops at the at the base, the uh, you know, from the army store. Quartermaster store. Well, no, there's something Q. Whatever. He bought a new Rolex. Quartermaster store. He bought a Rolex Cosmograph, PQ? which has been since called the Paul Newman model. TQ. Oyster uh, Ro- uh, Rolex Oyster Cosmograph, and he saved everything: the box, the receipts. Oh. He never wore it. A million. Uh, the bill of sale, every possible thing. Get to the point. A million. He paid three hundred and twenty-five dollars <laughs> for it. Come on, quit milking it. Seven hundred grand. Nice. Wow. Nice. He fell Sold. down. He fell down on the ground. And the, the the guy telling him this thought he really faded, but yeah. he didn't. The guy was just theatrical. As so him. he purchased this all along with the intention of one day <coughs> profiting big time. I doubt it. Well, then why would he have kept it? I don't know, but it was... Didn't have the right event to wear. So did you ever see the Antiques Roadshow where the guy, his grandpa was uh, an editor or somebody at the St. Paul paper, was gifted a watch in 1912? It's, it's ringing a bell. And uh, it was a a one-of-a-kind, and he, too, had all the stuff for it. And uh, it was in perfect condition, and it was an unbelievable Swiss-made watch. Quit milking it. And it was like 900000 And by the time the guy got around to selling it, it was over a million. But he was a typical Minnesotan because when he was told the price, he was just like, no. Yeah. No, come on. No. Oh, gosh. No. Holy so. mackerel. But it made him and his family rich. And yeah. It was just the Not coolest bad. story ever. Yeah. All right. We're going to come back with some Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders news.
You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I'm aware now of at least four or five people who have made the move to Schmel's Countryside Volkswagen in Maplewood. Also Fiat and Alfa Romeo. I was just talking to Mike Fratelloni and a member of his extended family has been to Schmel's to get a vehicle. And I couldn't be happier because when you go in there, tell them you heard about it on the GL podcast. They'll be thrilled. We'll be thrilled. And uh, I want to tell you something. Three different websites. SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzFiat.com, and Schmel's alfaromeo.com for Alpha Romeo, yet this month still a sign, then drive performance event where your first payment is waived on leasing a new Alpha Romeo and you're going to be shocked at the prices, you're going to love them. Alpha Romeo's 2019 clearance deals as the 2020s are around the corner and there's a great selection now. Certified pre-owned VW TDIs get a two-year unlimited mileage warranty from VW and that's bumper to bumper, they're clearing out the 2019 Fiat's Certified pre-owned Alphas come with a five-year, 100K warranty from Alpha. So that takes the factory, four-year, 50,000 mile, and bumps it to five years, 100,000 miles if it meets the certified criteria. And the 2020 VW Tiguans are on the ground and ready for delivery. This is a family-owned dealership, at least in the third generation. They don't own multiple dealerships. Uh, Schmel's Countryside at the uh, southeast quadrant of... 61 and 36 has always been a family-owned dealership. It's where I shop. I bought two Volkswagens, two uh, Alfa Romeos, and I'll be back for more because I enjoy the service and I enjoy these vehicles. And uh, I think you're going to be very surprised. Go in the showroom, tell them the GL Podcast sent you, and start enjoying your driving experience. So you're telling me that the GL Podcast is so successful that even our clients are supporting the other clients? That's right. That's, That's incredible. What I'm telling there you. we go. Uh, I've got a question for you. Are you done doing your uh, yeah. soapbox thing here? Um, <laughs> do they do they make the GTI-R slash R? Not currently. Not that I'm aware of. But the GTI itself, 228 it's a horsepower, rocket ship. six-speed manual, seven-speed automatic. Uh, if the GL Roadshow thing happens... Yeah. That's the car I want. You know what that is? A hot hatch. That's what I want. You want a hot hatch. I, I want to do those passes and something like that. And you were thinking about what The we, Fiat 124 Spider. And then let's put the other clowns into uh, something. Put them like, in a Winnebago or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? it? Well, a Volkswagen Tiguan, an SUV. No. What's, what is it you drive that's so neat? The Al, uh, the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. That's a really comfortable car. Yeah. yeah. Rook, you can drive Joe's. I yeah. can drive Joe's. Oh, You're going to stick? That would be fun if we make this pass. <laughs> But I really want that GTI. Well, I don't blame you. Say, uh, both Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are are bent on bringing about the mystery, and their particular point of attack is that they both attack wealth and find it disagreeable. They uh, they think it's achieved unfairly, and they intend to do something about it. And the latest from Warren is that she has sent a series of letters to the nation's largest banks asking them to turn over their plans for how they will prepare for the financial risks of climate change. As climate change continues to affect our economy, it is critical to understand your bank's adaptation and mitigation strategy, she wrote. Warren's letter highlighted a number of financial risks that could stem from climate change, all part of a package of research from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. 
And then she goes on to cite sea level rise and floods that will impact the real estate market. And she wants to, she essentially wants to tell the bank how they're going to have to do their business. Mm. The letter was sent to J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, Bank of New York, Mellon, Morgan Stanley, and State Street. Warren's letter comes as environmentalists push for Wall Street to take action on climate change. uh, They already are listing some stocks as uh, being pro-climate. Earlier this month, investment firm BlackRock announced sustainability, both environmental and financial, would feature more prominently in its analysis, Mm -hmm. a move that leads the company away from investment in fossil fuels. The letter asks for banks to respond by Feb 7 and won't just document banks' response to climate change, but also asks the banks to go on the record on their support for a Warren bill that would require bank stress tests for various climate scenarios. The test would require banks to evaluate risk at 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming above pre-industrial levels, two degrees of warming, and one assuming a business-as-usual path. If banks did not provide a satisfactory plan under each scenario, the Federal Reserve could block them for making loans. Well, she wants to take over the banks. Oh, my word. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company said they were reviewing the letter. Other banks contacted by the site The Hill did not immediately respond to request for comment. Uh, I don't trust this woman as far as I can throw her. Uh, she's not an American. You think she's got the power to win? She got the country behind her, or half of it anyway? Well, based on this piece, Bernie might. Uh, that's oh, the Lord. piece I thought you were going to do, but this piece uh, you're talking about now is uh, fun compared to what you just read. What you just read uh, should alarm everybody. Well, what we learned today in a New York Times piece that was picked up by the Star Tribune is that Bernie Sanders has quite a social media army in his camp. He has raised $100 million for more than $5 million individual dona- uh, donations without ever holding traditional fundraisers. And what we're discovering is that his people on social media are uh, can be vicious, and they, they attack people that Bernie finds disagreeable. Right. They, uh, even their own. Right. Their own, their own people. It's really alarming. Since the start of Sanders' first presidential campaign in 2016, his colossal online support base has been, by turns, a source of peerless strength and perpetual aggravation, envied and caricatured by rivals who covet such loyalty, feared by Democrats who have faced harassment from his followers, and alternately cherished and gently scolded by the candidate himself. Uh, This is a long piece. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he has more than 10 million followers on Twitter. That's a larger audience than Warren, Buttigieg, Biden, and Klobuchar combined. A sizable number could be automated uh, bots or fictitious accounts. Federal prosecutors have detailed coordinated efforts by Russian nationals to interfere in the 2016 election with an emphasis on two candidates, Trump and Sanders, whom the Russians hope to bolster while denigrating their opponents. So the party's gripped by anxiety about unifying to defeat Trump. The venom among Sanders backers and their counterparts supporting other candidates is a serious concern for Democrats. What happens? They're eating their own. Yeah, absolutely. But what happens every election, both sides, conservative Democrat, when somebody wins the nomination? Everybody else gets behind the nominee, right? And yeah. supports them and props them up for the presidency. What are these Sanders supporters going to do? I mean, the one that really alarmed me, Such, was the, the notable target, A.D. Barkin. It's a, it's a dude, a prominent liberal activist with ALS, and he's in a wheelchair, and he's got ALS uh, in, you know, 
at Mach 10. It's taken over his body. And these people are going after he him. Because he's, he's backing uh, uh, Warren. They're, they're saying his decision-making faculties are being called into question mm-hmm. because of his ALS. Yeah. And he's a, he's a far, far lefty. Well, have you heard of Project Veritas? Uh, it's the fellow who goes with the hidden cameras into uh, various uh, public entities and, and gets people to admit uh, they know nothing. nefarious yeah, things. Right. And uh, uh, there was one recently where he was talking to a Sanders supporter who said the streets of this country will burn if he doesn't get elected. We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to have a, a, basically a war, basically a war. And Bernie sits back and he accepts all this BS. Yeah, and he poo-poos it and yeah. says he doesn't endorse it. But yeah. he, it, it certainly appears that he doesn't do anything to stop it. These supporters went after a guy named Fred Gutenberg, yep. the father of a shooting victim from the 2018 Parkland School massacre uh, because he had criticized Sanders' statements about gun violence. They went after this right. guy, a dad who lost a kid. In other words... The left is intolerant, but no one is more intolerant than the fans of Bernie Sanders. So what are they going to do when Bernie doesn't get the nomination? Then, you know, carry, you got, I'm going to have constitutional carry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bernie. Whether it's a law right. or not. Right. Right. Bernie was on the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen this clip? No, I'd like no, to. No, here, I want to hear it. You ready? You are a self-proclaimed socialist. Democratic, put in there, please. Thank you. Your agenda has promised free health care for everybody, free college tuition, and to pay off people's college loans. The price tag for that is estimated to be $60 trillion over 10 years, correct? Well, look, we have political opponents you don't know, come up. You don't know how much your plan costs? You don't know. Nobody knows. This is impossible. <laughs> you're going to gonna propose a plan to the American people and you're not going to tell them how much it costs? Of course I will. Do you know exactly what health care costs will be? One minute. In the next jobs. You are self-proclaimed. What happened? That was a weird jump there. It did. It cut off. But <sighs> where? What's the source of that? Where'd it come from? CBS. CBS Evening News. So it wasn't the crazy nut jobs over at Fox News. No, no. this was uh, jo- uh, Nora O'Donnell. O'Donnell on CBS Evening respected News. respected journalist. Yeah. She oh. said, you don't know how much the plan's going to cost? No, gonna, no, my, no, no, no one knows. That's going to be my new line to you guys. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hell, Pelosi said, well, we got to pass the bill in order to find out what's in it. I mean, they, they're living in their own world. It has nothing to do with reality. You know what they're going to do? We're going to roll the dice. Yeah. Roll nothing them. to do with reality. Roll them. That fraud's never made an honest nickel in his life. <laughs> but. And his supporters are just they're, vile. They're rapid. They're rabid. Yeah. Well, rabid. He, he will get the Democratic nomination. No, he won't. Bernie? Come on. I'll, I'll so. bet you lunch. I don't think he will. No, he's And way, I'll make him pay for it, but I'll bet you lunch. <laughs> he's way too far left. When push comes to shove, what is cost? <laughs> but of course, <laughs> what as, does it mean? as I say, he's way too far left. I think of my neighbors that voted for, you know, Ilhan. Yeah. Well, and I on Facebook, I have people who are lefties who are friends, and it's Sanders and Warren. Those are the two. They, they want one of those two. They're both. Too far to the left. Socialism, equal poverty. Capitalism, unequal wealth. But would you rather have? Which one will Trump beat more? Bernie or Warren? I'm 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 saying nothing is a lock in this day and age. No. I'm saying nothing nothing is predictable. Do you think that Sanders could possibly beat Trump? No. 
No the, way. Uh, the early polls, including Fox right now, have Sanders and Warren ahead of Are him. Are you yeah. saying people yeah. on the middle, but like again, us, because especially you and I, we're in the middle. Yep. We could go either way. We 90% of the time, 95% of the time go conservative. Are but, you saying our people, the middle, are going to go for Bernie? But, John, those same polls, remember, leading up to well, the 2016, yeah, there, there all a, said Hillary in a landslide. A 2016 anomaly. I think we can call that an are, anomaly. Are people, people going to, for? let's just say Bernie gets the nomination, are they going to do what people said they did for Trump? I held my nose and I voted for Trump. Are they going to do that for Bernie? Uh, I have no idea, but I will predict this. That the the 2020 election that's coming up now is it finally going to arrive someday? Arrive. <laughs> yeah, because all we do away? in this country is let this political class campaign for right. four years, and I, I I think it'll be so fraught with controversy and trouble, oh. and accusations and cheating uh, allegations that it's just going to be well, really difficult for this country to so come through it, like Major League Baseball. Yeah, the stealing the signs. <laughs> you yeah. saw you were talking about the Sanders supporters there. We've also seen Trump supporters. The yeah. one guy with the gun who said, "Oh no, if he doesn't win," well, and he hits his chest. It's like, okay, both sides. Crap. Great. Oh yeah, really? dial her down yeah. a bit, right? Yeah. Jeez. Okay, yeah. Uh, what's so, the name of that gun school? <laughs> Minnesota Gun <laughs> Class. Minnesota Gun Class slash Gio. You want to come back with a little more Johnny to wrap it up? <clears throat> College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Reavers. Yes, sir. You might have to tell everybody that this is the end, and uh, if they ever want to meet us and see us, come out. Come last out to, hurrah. That's our last come hurrah. Out this week, because this, <laughs> this little pod show cast deal thing, it ain't going to see Friday. So how, what a wonderful opportunity, then, to come out and meet the fellas. We're talking about the 30 Bales live. And he does not speak for the show. Right. Amen. Thank God. The hard sell there. Thank God. Broadcast that's taking place tomorrow at 30 Bales from 3 to 6 p.m. It is a beer show broadcast, but... We're all going to be there to hang out so you guys can mock and ridicule me. I'm going to try my best. I'm fighting a cold. I know you are. I know you are. But uh, if you have not made plans yet to do so, then you need to come hang out from 3 to 6 p.m. We're going to be giving away a ton of stuff. Our friends at Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits are giving away four $25 gift cards. Uh, Our friends at Dasco are doing a couple of really cool uh, couple beer giveaways, including custom labels if you're a home brewer. Uh, But you need to check out their website, 30bales.com. What time does it start? 3 o'clock it starts. It'll go till 6. I will hang out there probably well into the evening because uh, you know how that hangs out. We don't care about you or anybody else. What we're worried, the broadcast, we will be there from when you crack the mic from when to until you well, turn it off. What Pro- time is that? Probably around 3.30 is what I'm going to guess the broadcast will begin uh, because the beer show is only an hour long. But I also want to make mention that our buddy Mike Fratelloni with Fratelloni's Ace Hardware is giving away a bleeping snowblower, you guys. Nice. So come on out. Uh, you, you, it's absolutely free. Is it with him? Yeah, he's going to wheel it. He's going to wheel it right. in. And so he's gonna. it's going to be there, 3 to 6, 30bales.com, and make sure that you stop in and say hi and meet the fellas. Hell yeah. What time? Uh, I'll, you'll, you're spoken for. I got you. Rook's going to come pick you up. I got you. Yeah. All right, Johnny, what do you got? Thank you, Mr. Sushere. 
A newly filed lawsuit in Dakota County alleges Jeffrey Epstein, the wealthy financier who was arrested on sex trafficking charges last year, sexually abused a woman in Minnesota. According to the lawsuit, he initiated, orchestrated, and facilitated numerous crimes to subject the plaintiff to a forced immoral relationship of sexual and economic servitude benefiting the defendants. It also states Epstein was psychologically abusive and initiated drug-facilitated sexual assaults of the plaintiff throughout the majority of her childhood and her adult life. Oh, my God. The lawsuit goes on to state Epstein tried to extort the plaintiff to recover money he paid as a settlement in a separate sexual abuse case. Lawsuit seeks damages in the amount of $500 million. Epstein, of course, hanged himself August 10, 2019, after his arrest. What did this guy have time to become a billionaire? It's a good question. I, I was just going to think. I mean, he had, well, okay. Honestly, I, you know what I was thinking? With as much as we're now discovering about him, how did someone not knock him off at some point? Yeah. On Tuesday, the Ramsey County Attorney's Office announced well, somebody s- did. Well, it's yeah, a little right. late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Ramsey County Attorney's Office announcing Tuesday morning a civil settlement with the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis for failure to report child sexual abuse. In a press conference Tuesday morning, Ramsey County Attorney John Choi and Archbishop Bernard Hebda said the diocese will continue to work toward creating and fostering a culture in which every person becomes vigilant in assuring no child ever becomes the victim of clergy sexual abuse. Choi said the attorney's office was limited legally in what it could do in prosecution. That's part of the reason it felt working to create a systemic change in the diocese was a better path. The Archdiocese will be required to create an organizational structure capable of meeting certain core parts of the agreement. Oscar Meyer's Wienermobile was in Wisconsin yesterday and, in fact, was stopped by a sheriff's deputy. Uh-oh. Because the driver of the giant hot dog failed to give enough room to another car on the road with emergency lights. How you... Never mind. The, uh, I will say I did not use the Associated Press lead on this, which said Oscar Meyer's Wiener Mobile got a grilling from a Wisconsin. Very clever. The deputy pulled over the Wiener Mobile and gave the driver a driver a verbal warning for not following the law. It showed a picture of the sheriff's deputy's SUV parked behind the Wiener Mobile with the hashtags "Move over, slow down, and Wiener Mobile." Traffic laws require vehicles to move out of the lane closest to another car that is on the side of the road with emergency lights flashing. Uh, the Wienermobile has been around since 1936. Really? I did not know I that. I did not know, know that either. That. That's a long time. It says it's gone through uh, several uh, uh, looks. but I uh, would imagine so. Since 36. I suppose there's around. a Wienermobile graveyard suit where they just pull them out <laughs> back and then, then you sit there and return to Mother Nature. It'd be fun to have one from 1945, wouldn't it? Well, if those guys on American Pickers could probably find it. Yeah. Those <laughs> bastards. Well, you know what they're doing now? They, don't, don't, don't. They go, they, they're, they visit hoarders. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. Don't talk about those yeah. two clowns. They've yeah. ruined the prices on everything. Yeah. Here's a good story. A person who was seen on surveillance video saving a baby during last year's mass shooting at a Walmart in Texas has been identified as a then homeless man who was living in a makeshift camp near the store. Surveillance footage showed a man carrying a baby to safety. The man's identity remained a mystery until recently when Lazaro Ponce came forward, according to the El Paso Times. El Paso Police Sergeant Enrique Carrillo said FBI agents interviewed Ponce on Monday in Memphis, where he now lives, and confirmed he was the man on the video. Carrillo said not only did he remove the baby from among the bodies, it could have been suffocated, he ran out and turned the baby over to emergency services personnel, then ran back into the store 
and with a shopping cart went to the towel section, went around treating wounded and applying pressure in the store. The attack took place August 3rd at a Walmart during a busy back-to-school shopping day. Pons told the newspaper he helped the baby, a man in a wheelchair, and an elderly woman who had been shot in the arm. He said he and his wife at the time were homeless, staying in a makeshift camp near the Walmart. The couple has since moved to Memphis, where Ponce is working as a laborer and staying on the property of a co-worker. Can I read a Twitter exchange? Yeah. Mara Gottfried uh, tweeted... Uh, St. 20- Paul Pioneer Press. Yeah, great, great uh, writer. Tweeted, police are investigating five street robberies, mostly at gunpoint in the span of less than three hours in St. Paul on Sunday night. Shay Cab, who we all know, right? Yep. Shay. Uh, she tweeted, I'm familiar with the Selby Western incident. Uh, Mara tweeted, were you around when it happened? Get this from Shay. Yeah, my neighbor told me about it right after it happened, mostly because there's already been some robberies of late. And I've been followed by sketchy dudes on a couple of occasions walking back from Double A Market. Hmm. Is this what it's like living in your town? Does Shay live in this town? Oh, yeah. Shay's a St. Paul girl. Oh, I thought she was Minneapolis. No, she she's grew up on the farm, but no, she's a, a St. Paul hmm. girl, and she's not afraid of any neighborhood. I, I mean, yeah, she, right. she'll take care of herself. Right. But do you literally have to walk the streets in, of St. Paul with a firearm in your hand? No, no. But in certain neighborhoods, uh, it's best to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, and she obviously is. And look at who they're preying upon. Mm. Women. Yeah. yeah. Bunch I, of real tough guys. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting article in Forbes magazine uh, talking about the effects of the coronavirus, the effects it could have on the world's economy. Uh, they call it a black swan event. That's a term used on Wall Street that refers to a rare and unpredictable occurrence that's beyond what's expected and has severe consequences. Uh, It comes from European explorers who had previously thought all swans were white and then were shocked when they ran into black swans in Australia. The coronavirus is a black swan event which may have serious consequences, according to Forbes, for the jobs, the stock market, and global economy. U.S. economy has been strong with record-setting high levels of employment. Stock markets rebounded. Historically, when the stock market goes relatively straight up, there's an expectation of a correction somewhere down the road, a correction of about 5 to 10% drop in value of stocks. It's viewed as necessary. Even the wisest minds in Wall Street admit they can't anticipate where the next correction will come from or what damage it may bring, but it now seems the coronavirus may be that black swan event. Global stock and bond markets have been hit by mounting worries. Investors are afraid of how this will play out. China's growth will surely stagnate, they contend. International commerce will slow down. Little is known about the virus yet, and there's no guidance on how it'll affect people and the economy. John, apparently, uh, I got this email from Tom earlier today. He says, uh, talking about the coronavirus, he says, apparently, if you die of coronavirus, you are buried in an open casket with a lime in your mouth. Whoa! Not even good. It's a Dennis Miller bit. Yeah. Okay. Dennis used to be funny. Cookie. I'm not jumping out of the market. You're not? The market has survived every case of worldwide influenza with a short blips and then recoveries. And I don't know, but don't listen to me because I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> My investments are staying where they are. Yeah. John, uh, thanks for the lesson on white and black swans. Yeah. Because it reminded me I had been saving, and I just looked for it. It's gone oh, no. now. But I had been saving an email from the DNR. And Such, you always, your phrase is something about... People losing touch with nature. Right. Yeah. An email was sent out in December from uh, from the DNR 
asking people not to call 911 when they see swans sitting on the ice <laughs> right. because those swans are not frozen down nope. and not helpless. <laughs> oh my God. That was an actual, the no. DNR receiving so many calls that they actually You're had to kidding. put out a press release. They are frozen to the lake. Yeah, people were worried. I, I Don't can, save them. I consider myself a city it, but even I could have figured yes. that one out. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> a uh, boy, very strange story from Toronto in Canada. A middle aged hairdresser's skin turned gray, her ears and hands dark purple, Uh-oh. and her blood a chocolate brown after she developed a rare condition from performing an unusually high number of Brazilian blowouts. Oh, he- she had been growing increasingly Come lethargic. Come on, there's a hundred lines there. I know there, there are, and I Come don't want to hear one of them. She had been growing increasingly <laughs> lethargic. Come on, this the, is <sighs> over the course of two weeks. John, she, don't even do the story. If no, we, I got to do. If it's we can, he's not going to let it's us do the lines. No, I'm not going to. She suddenly <laughs> collapsed at home in the UK. Rushed to the hospital. The woman complained of shortness of breath, chest pain, and is nausea. Is that a union job, John? I'm Brazilian not sure. Blowout. Brazilian blowout. I'm Doc- willing to learn. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to learn. <laughs> Doctors initially thought she had suffered a heart attack. In fact, what about Swedes, John? She had been exposed to multiple volatile chemicals while, pre- while preparing Brazilian blow dry treatments at the hair that's salon. That's the thing you got to okay. watch out for. How that's, many is a Brazilian? That's it's, a problem. It's a hair. See, I, I thought a Brazilian involved a razor. The hair straightening method. It's a hair straightening it's, method. It's for Kenny. the hair. Seals preservative solutions into the hair using a flat iron. Just part of the hair. I think you're thinking of a wax. Physicians believe. <laughs> yeah. re- physicians believe repeated exposure to formaldehyde. Used Are there in, stirrups involved? In hairdressing, caused the woman to develop methamoglobin anemia. Is she going to be okay? Uh, she is. Uh, in fact, they fixed her up very quickly. Uh, the problem is the oxygen flow gets messed up. Sure. That's why her blood turns brown. So what is she available? Wait, what is that word again? Turn purple. Methan. What is the word again? Oh, God. Yeah, please. I hate you, Rook. What? That's, uh, meth, uh, it's fun to say. Methamoglobin anemia. <laughs> Methamoglobin anemia. <laughs> you can't do that. There's no cameras the here. Hell? There's oh no cameras God. here. Do you want to hear it again? Well, John, no. when is she going back to work so I can okay? schedule? I, I uh, need an is, appointment. She is back to work now. Uh, they gave her a dose of uh, something. Uh, some kind of protein. And within 30 minutes of the single dose, her levels of everything that was causing the weird colors dropped. Her blood went back to normal. Her skin color went black to her normal. Her ears stopped the, being purple? Yes. Good. Yes. That's so, a good thing. So she's fine. Now. The other really weird side effect oh, of this from, one. You know, <laughs> the no, other I, really weird side effect. I don't really. Is it really necessary? Right. The weird side effect. Of the treatment? Does she yeah, look it, you in the eye when she does this? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. The What's the other, other weird side effect? Well, the treatment, the side effect of the treatment, it turns everything normal, but it also for a while turns your urine bright green. So, cool, like for St. Well, Patrick's Day. Well, she has just gone through a rash of colors there, hasn't Very she? colorful one. Well, that's, that's a, a colorful green disease. again. That's actually a fun novelty side oh. effect. Oh, hey, guys, come in here. My pee is green. <laughs> that's terrible. That's just... Uh, John, that's the worst oh, story you've ever Unnecessary. What a way to go No out. reason yeah. for that. That's I just terrible. Like I used to one. respect you, but... No, uh, you didn't. No, uh, no, as far as I know. Not as far as you know. <laughs> well, okay, then. If you want to hear more like that, you can... <laughs> no, uh, no, you don't want to hear any more like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring some in tomorrow. No. Maybe some better ones. Maybe there's some better ones in the see library. See the stories he rejected. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can hear some other stories at Pod... M-N. That is the new mobile app dedicated to local Minnesota-based podcasts. Pod M-N is the app on your phone. If you are a little confused, then go online. 
podmn.com. That's podmn.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors, including Mr. Fratelloni. And don't forget about tomorrow, the 29th of January, we will be at 30 Bales. That's right, 3 to 6 p.m. Yep, we'll have some fun. There'll be some great food. There'll be some great beer. And there'll be some great podcasting on The Beer Show. GarageLogic.com is your home for everything for the GL Podcast. GarageLogic.com.